Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And joining us today, all the way from Wales, we have author Rachel Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Tell us how 2021 is going for you and how are you taking care of yourself this year? Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. 2021 is going a lot better than 2020, that's for sure. And (laughs) what I'm trying to do is make time for myself, just a little bit here and there, just to do the things that make me happy, whatever that is at the moment. On Instagram, it looks like you take a lot of walks. Yeah, I'm. we live very rural um, and I've got a golden retriever and we walk often and yeah, taking my camera out is my favourite thing to do when I'm not writing. So yeah, I'm like living through your living vicariously right. through your photos. <laughs> my walks don't look like this. Yeah, no. <laughs> You've got to share it, right? That's right. <laughs> so let's kick things off with some icebreaker questions. If you came with a warning label, what would it say? I think I would have to say quietness conceals a lot of noise. They always say it's the quiet ones you've got to watch. Yes, I like that a lot. (laughs) What is one of your guiltless pleasures? My guiltless pleasure is definitely time in nature. Just taking that moment Mm -hmm. to just be, to just, you know, know, absorb everything around you. It's the little things, right? Yeah, Yeah, sure. What was your first job? So my first job was a Saturday job when I was 14. I worked in a hairdressing salon, washing uh, customers' hair. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I quite liked it, actually. Did you go on to, like, cosmetology school or learn how to do hair, like, later on in life? No, I didn't. No, the next thing I did was worked in a fruit and veg shop. And then when I actually (laughs) left school, I worked in an insurance broker. So all very different. There you go. Hey, you're well-rounded. Yes. (laughs) Try everything, you see. Exactly. What's the best purchase you've treated yourself to this year? The best thing I've treated myself to this year, and I'm still yet to have them, is booking a few trips away to catch up with friends. So I'm going to be busy between now and Christmas. So... Oh, good Yay. for you. Good Where are you, you going? Um, in a few weeks' time, I am going to Hever Castle in Kent, which is mm. the ancestral home of the Boleyn family. So um, mm. the infamous Anne Boleyn's family mm-hmm. from Henry VIII's time. Mm. So I've always wanted to go there. So I'm looking forward to that. Wow. I want to mm. go to a castle. Yeah, I love castles. <laughs> Okay, so when you go, I mean, do they let you tour the entire thing? I mean, this may sound like a weird question, but again, I live in Texas. Are there any (laughs) houses that you can like stay the night at? Or is it all just like you tour through it and then you're done? Yeah, most of them are touring through and then they're done. But actually, Hever Castle does offer the option to stay there overnight. Not that I'm doing that this time. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be haunted or not. I'm not sure whether I'd want to, but there you go. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, we have one actually in Toronto, Casa Loma. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty cool. We used to go on tours when I was a kid in school. And they've shut it down to the public now, but you can actually have your wedding there. And I always just thought, how amazing would that have been? Yeah. (laughs) I always tell my husband, the next time I get married. (laughs) (laughs) The next time. (laughs) (laughs) What's one thing you find yourself nostalgic for? 
Um, I think it's getting together with friends because mm-hmm. it just feels so long since we've I done know. that. So in person then. I've kept up with most friends on Zoom and so on and so forth. But it's those in-person things, isn't it? It's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we love to hear romance origin stories. Can you share with us how you became a romance reader? Um, so I'm the eldest of four children and I have three younger brothers. So home life is always noisy to say the least and my escape was books. As a young child I would always ask for books for Christmas and I still have my much read copy of Black Beauty and by the time I was nine I knew I wanted to be a writer Um, and as a teenager I could then use my newfound freedom and walk into town and into the library and where I would spend hours just being amongst the books and there I discovered Mills and Boone and that was it. Mm. I was hooked. (laughs) So you said that you've always liked writing. Um, Yeah. What was your journey to becoming published like? So um, when my children, my youngest is now 23, so when he was about three years old, I thought, right, it's time for me to do something for myself. So a newly formed writing group was in my village. So I joined. So for two hours of an afternoon, we would get together and we would write anything from short stories to poetry. Mm-hmm. And we would also sometimes have um, published authors come in and talk to us. And we were really lucky one day to have Liz Fielding come and spend two hours with us. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yes, definitely. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And she just totally changed my outlook of my dream of being a writer. And I thought, I want to do that. I want Mm -hmm. to write a Mills and Boone. So I set myself a deadline that by the time I was 40, I was going to have written a book. And at that point, I was 38 something. Mm -hmm. Off I went armed with the 12 point guide to writing romance by Kate Walker, which Liz had gifted to the group. And um, I actually got my first manuscript completed just before I was 40. And I sent it off to the Romantic Novelist Association. Uh, They do a new writer scheme, which is critiqued by published writers. So you can find out what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong and where to go from there. So my next encounter with a Mills and Boone author was on a weekend course and it was Kate Walker. And it's turned out to be the first of many annual weekend escapes for um, a writer's holiday course where we would just immerse ourselves all weekend in writing romance. And I built some lifelong friendships from that group. And obviously it's helped me with my writing. But Mm -hmm. the best one of all was in 2008. I spread my wings a bit further and I took myself completely out of my comfort zone. And I booked on a whole week's course in Tuscany with Sharon Kendrick. Yes, definitely the one to go on. (laughs) Right? Tell us about that experience. So um, it was, well, in Tuscany, so need you say any more to start with? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um, on the the occasion when I went in 2008, they were also filming for Mills and Boone's centenary celebrations um, because the author Stella Duffy had um, joined us as the group to and she was writing her own romance novel with the um, thought of sending it to Mills and Boone as well so it was about her journey and what you should do so um, there we were in Tuscany there were the BBC around us filming us while Sharon's teaching us it was just quite surreal we were sat in the Tuscan countryside with views that were amazing whilst the restaurant was cooking us lunch and Sharon was talking and they were filming and it was just brilliant I enjoyed myself so much and I got so much out of the course that I went back again and again and again for you. (laughs) I think I went five times in total. I mean, I would do it over and over again, even if it was the same content. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, right? because it practically was really just how yeah. to write a Mills and Boone and yeah. you know how to write the romance and yeah but you there's you know you never get everything first time around it's you true go on the same course again and again and again and you always come away with a little nugget that you think ah I got that sorted now can Sarah and I be at the next one I'll we'll test out the pasta before you guys have to eat yeah it. you know <laughs> safety first people safety first <laughs> <laughs> can you talk about like what are some of the nuggets that you walked away mm-hmm. from those courses with there's the classic sort of show don't tell when you're mm-hmm. when you're writing something and you suddenly realize actually no I'm not doing this right but it's the more in-depth things like getting that deeper emotion and getting the conflict out um, keeping it consistent they're all things that you still make mistakes on as you go on and mm-hmm. which is why we all need editors and things like that but it's it just cements it a bit more for you so and hearing other people what they write you know we were reading out what we'd written like you know that morning we were reading it out in the afternoon so it was it was like really first draft but I mean some of the things that people had written was amazing oh that's awesome can you talk a little bit about writing I mean uh, we haven't really talked I think yet about writing making sure that you're showing not telling yeah can you talk a little bit about that Really, it's the concept, instead of saying, oh, she felt really angry with what he'd just said, you've mm-hmm. got to show the reader, allow them to feel her anger through through her actions, through other words, rather than just saying she felt really angry. And that becomes the showing, not the telling. We, we hear so much about uh, the, you know, conflict and how difficult conflict is. And but it's interesting hearing something different, you know. Mm-hmm. As uh, mm-hmm. as aspiring writers, we're we're soaking up as much as we possibly can from these interviews. Yeah. <laughs> and Definitely. I think we as readers, I mean, yes, we're, we're re- reading is just it's totally different. You know, we're like, oh, the book was great. Let me tell you about it. But you're not really, I, you know. And I think what's one thing Sarah and I have learned from doing the podcast is like, if you want to write, you need to read what it is that you want to mm-hmm. write. And so now I think when we're reading, we are trying to pay a lot more attention to, okay, they're showing here, not telling, or, you know, this is that moment where the switch from friends to lovers is happening. But if you're not trying to pay attention like that, you're not going to notice the story just flows and you're just going with it. So Mm -hmm. there's so much magic behind the scenes. Absolutely. (laughs) Another good question when you're reading to ask yourself is when you get that feeling, I just can't stop reading this book. I just can't put it down. As hard as it may be, you have to think, well, why is that? Why yeah. Why yeah. is that? Is it because the characters are brought to life so well that you just you can mm-hmm. just feel that everything that they're feeling and you're just there with them on the page? And then mm-hmm. how was it done? You know, yeah. so it's really difficult, though, when you're reading, <laughs> reading something you're completely sucked into. Yeah, you're not thinking technically, you know, no, at the time. No, you have to read as a writer rather than read as a reader. So True enough. Yeah, yeah. it would be two different things. A deal before the altar released under Harlequins presents Mills and Boone Modern Line in 2014. What was the world of romance like at the time you published your first book? It was a, an exciting place to be. This was my dream come true moment. And after going through um, Harlequin, So You Think You Can Write competition in 2013, it was just like amazing. I also felt like a little tiny fish in a massive pond. <laughs> um, but the romance writers are, are an incredibly supportive bunch. And, and no, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. I fitted right in, I think. Can you talk a little bit about the So You Think You Can Write competition? I mean, how did you learn about it? And Yeah. 
Um, well, in Tuscany, one of the, the writers I met there was Jennifer Hayward, who'd won mm-hmm. it in 2012. And um, she just sort of put out a message one day. So who's going to enter this year? And I hadn't thought any more about it, having had a rejection, a straight rejection from Mills and Boone earlier that year, which had come after in rejections where I got nice long letters and everything was encouraging. And I was beginning to think, oh, maybe I haven't got it. Um, so she said, who's going to enter the so thing? think you can write this year so I thought well I do have a manuscript oh, I'll, ju- I'll just put it in and mm-hmm. well the rest is history I couldn't believe it when my whole unedited manuscript went up online for everyone to read it was like mind-blowing wow <laughs> so yeah and then I didn't win the competition but I got through to the top 10 oh, so I was in the voting um, stage and um, I got the call then at the end of January so to say that my first book was going to be bought so (laughs) oh my gosh and then you went and celebrated in Tuscany (laughs) why why not (laughs) yeah why not right (laughs) go for a walk and you know celebrate this that's right that's right yeah I think the competitions I you know the more that we learn about them and see them I mean Mills and Boone is still like I doing those and I think it's just Mm -hmm. fabulous it just seems like so vulnerable you know like you're you know there's that possibility it may be a no but just also that experience of doing it and like sometimes you know you are doing it just for the feedback you know that you may get so yeah exactly so just to get your work in front of an editor was it really you know but what went online for everyone to read was my unedited version (laughs) that was the hard bit (laughs) (laughs) so for anyone who has yet to read a mills and boone modern slash harlequin presents romance how would you describe the line to them i describe it as they are guaranteed happy ever after stories with heroines who don't need to be rescued by a knighting shine and armor because they're strong enough to do that themselves but he's the icing on the cake um i think it's more like a modern day fairy tale set in wonderful Mm -hmm. locations around the world In January 2020, you released A Shocking Proposal in Sicily, which is a marriage of convenience romance. Can you talk about where the idea for this romance came from? The ideas for most of my books come from like a snippet of a scene I see Mm -hmm. and it builds in my mind from there. So for this story, I could see Rafe at the bar and Kaliana unintentionally joining him as they both despaired of the situation they were being forced into, which was marriage. Mm -hmm. But there was a sexual chemistry between them and sparks were flying. And that was it. I just knew I had to write that story and Mm -hmm. then find a way of making them the people they married, (laughs) even though, you know, even though they shouldn't be. So. So when you get that snippet, is that typically like the first scene you write? Usually, yes. There, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I have to write it down. It's like somebody's um, put a movie on pause in my mind, mm-hmm. and then I write from that scene and start exploring out from there to build the character, to find out what their conflict is and where they are in life, what they're doing, and and all that sort of thing, and build it from there. So, oh, that's interesting. That's so interesting because, like, I've been 
griping to Sarah and two of our other friends, Aaron and Nicole, we have like a little writer's group. And I'm like, I'm so intimidated by the first page. Like Sarah and I literally a couple of Saturdays ago, we're just like pulling books off of our shelves and reading the first page to each other. And (laughs) one of our friends was like, maybe you should start with a scene. And so it kind of sounds like, is that what you say you have done for a lot of your books? Like a scene comes to you and then, you know, maybe you'll backtrack and start from the beginning or you just kind of go from there. Definitely. Yes. It could be a scene part the way through the story, but I see the scene as if somebody's paused the movie. So that's, and then I explore it from there. But what you were saying about going back to the the first page being intimidating, um, somebody once told me a trick to put, your first few paragraphs in a different colour um, as you're typing them out so that they don't feel permanent, they don't feel real, so that you know you can go back and change them. And oh. then it give, it lulls you into a false sense of security of just thinking, right, okay, that's all right. I've written those first few paragraphs. I can carry on now. And you're mm-hmm. not worrying endlessly about that beginning, you know? So what do you enjoy about, like, what's your favourite thing about writing the marriage of convenience trope? Yeah. I just... I just love that um, you know they're going to be together because mm-hmm. you know, it's a romance and that they're going to find the love that they actually both need and deserve and want. But I just I just love putting them together and seeing the sparks fly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think like what I really and it, it was really once I started reading category that I really began to learn about the tropes mm-hmm. and I love with marriage of convenience that like both characters have a reason that they need this marriage of convenience yeah. right and they may hate each other or you know this person's not my type but like you said you throw them together they're in this mm-hmm. situation and now it's like oh maybe you're not so bad <laughs> <laughs> You've recently, you've published some indie titles as well. I have, yeah. Can you talk about your experience so far with publishing independently? Right. So I've um, published, um, there'll be three out by the middle of October this year. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's fun being indie published, but it's hard work because you have Mm -hmm. to be so many things besides the author. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I embarked on self-publishing, I worked with the amazing Joanne Grant and I had editorial coaching to rediscover the romance author inside me after a few rocky years of um, family ill health. My creativity and confidence was a bit low, but Joe really picked me back up and I thought, yep, I can do this. I can put my work out there myself. So, yeah, that's that's how I did it. (laughs) How did you learn to navigate that world of like putting stuff out there on Amazon and all of that? Because it's so huge. It's it yeah. is huge. Um, some of it was trial and error. Some of it mm-hmm. was asking friends who, are, as they said, on the dark side. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, just getting help from from friends really, and and just finding it all out. But you know, obviously, I've I sourced out editors and mm-hmm. book cover designers and proofreaders. So I did all that professionally and and formatting and everything. So, but it's still nerve wracking because you're in charge of it. But on the flip side, you are completely in charge of it. And if that's the story you want to write and you believe in, you can do that. So, Yeah, without anything holding you back. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Was that a piece of it? Like, I have this story that I want to tell and I don't think it's going to fit in a, you know, the space that I've been in. So I want to do it where I can just do it 100% the way that I want to do it. Does that make sense? 
I think okay. so, yes. And I think as as I've gained confidence doing it, it's definitely how I'm feeling more and more. So so yeah, so I'm in I'm enjoying it at the minute. So it's it's a completely new chapter, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. One of your indie releases is Cinderella's Shocking Proposal, which has a secret prince trope and is the romance between Eloise and Luca. Can you talk about how the romance between these two came to you? Was it another movie scene or what was the first thing that came <laughs> It <in>? was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I could I could see um Luca and Eloise at this castle sort of away from normal life, each neither being what they were supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, there's going to be passion. There's going to be a night together. They're both <laughs> escaping reality and neither fully sharing themselves with the other because they don't expect to see one another again. But when mm-hmm. their paths cross and at the same time, Eloise discovers that that one night has had lasting consequences mm-hmm. and that Luca is a prince. She, you know, she's determined she's not going to be a single mum. And she she tells him he, he's got to marry her, basically. So... <laughs> Okay, let's do some writing questions. Okay. You sit down to be work to begin working on your current work in progress. Early bird or night owl? What time of day do you feel the most productive with writing? Definitely an early bird. Definitely. (laughs) Are you a plotter or a pantser? More so of a plotter, although now and again I will go a bit AWOL and do a bit of pantsing, but most of the time (laughs) I plot. If it's a project you've already been working on, do you reread over the previous day's work before beginning? I don't usually reread over it. I will leave a few notes as to where the story is going next or what I want to happen next. Because I sort Mm -hmm. of kind of work on the theory to get the story out as quickly as possible so then I can come back and editing and edit. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, rereading and editing will become procrastination for me, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, we've we've heard that from a number of different authors. It's like, just get the first draft done. Just get it. Just keep going. Just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about it. Go back. You can go back to it afterward, you know? Definitely. Are there any necessities you need around you while writing? I like background music to match Mm -hmm. the mood of the scene that I'm writing, but never with words, or at least if they are words, not words I understand. So a foreign language or something like that, because otherwise I will listen to them too much instead. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be singing along (laughs) instead of writing. Yeah, definitely. So... (laughs) do you set daily writing goals I don't set daily writing goals I set weekly um, so that basically I have sort of five days to write in and then if something happens and you get one of those curveballs that life throws Mm -hmm. around you've got an extra couple of days to catch up if you need to and then you're less likely to feel that you've failed in meeting your goal because once you feel you've not met your goal, you start to think, oh, what's the point of carrying on? Or what's, yes. what's the point of trying today? Because I'm not going to do it anyway. So, so it's, it's got to be realistic. It is, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. I think the more that we ask this question, I think I'm more of a weekly writing Same. goal kind of girl. I think, <laughs> I think it's a lot easier for you, definitely. I don't think that pressure of a daily writing goal. Right? No. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, some days the words flow and you can get a lot down. And other days you'd be lucky if you get a paragraph. So yeah. 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 You log on to your computer. Are there specific programs you use to write? I use Microsoft Word. Um, oh. I've dabbled with other stuff, Scrivener and, and things like that, but I always come back to Word. So <laughs> You find yourself stumped on a scene. Who do you call or what do you do? I call the dog and we go for a walk. There you go. I love it. Perfect. I love yeah. it. <laughs> So some backlist questions. Which book from your backlist do you remember laughing the most while writing? 
that would be Di Marcello's Secret Son. Um, this was a trilogy, the Secret Billionaire series. I worked on with Jennifer Hayward and Danny Collins, and we mm-hmm. had such fun pulling this together and um, <laughs> and making our heroes do all sorts of things. <laughs> so yeah. Which book from your backlist was the toughest to write? Um, Seducing His Convenient Innocent was definitely one of the toughest to write. Was it for the plot or was it just for, it just didn't want to get down on the paper? I yeah. think it's one of those that just wouldn't behave itself, wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. And yeah, so yeah, <laughs> one of those hard work ones. Yep. When you're in a situation like that, like what did you have to do? Did you just kind of have to tough through it? Did you have to, you know, start over with certain scenes or how did you pull yourself out of that? that yeah, it was, it was a bit of a start over with some of the scenes and things like that I guess it, like I think about it as a reader like oh I'm, I'm not feeling this book I'm gonna DNF it but if you're a writer mm-hmm. you've had mm-hmm. this baby this story idea and you just you can't give it up that's that's how I would feel anyway like yeah it's, it's even gonna though, work itself out <laughs> even though you're having a bad day with it it's like having kids isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> is there a book in your backlist that you feel readers have reached out to you about the most my first indie published title, The Greek's Outrageous Marriage Deal, I've had a lot of readers um, say how emotional they found Kostos and Athena's story. Is there a book in your backlist that you feel taught you something about yourself as a writer? That would be my first Harlequin Presents, and that was mm-hmm. a deal before the altar. What that particular book taught me, because I just had previous to that a straight rejection where I practically closed down my computer took all my post-it notes off the wall put away my pens and pads and said I'm not doing this anymore <laughs> and 10 minutes later I was back with this story that I just had to write but yeah. instead of saying to myself right I'm going to write for Mills and Boone I said to myself I'm going to write the story that's in my heart the story that I want to tell the story mm-hmm. I have to tell that's yeah. what it's taught me to tell the story you want to tell first and foremost that's what you need to do Everything else comes along with editing and reading through later on. So. Sure. I, I wanted to ask I wanted to ask this before we keep going. You know, I want to hear you talk a little bit about reading something and then that that desire to want to write what you're reading. So you were reading Mills and Boone and then you have this this urge, I want to write this. What was it about Mills and Boone or just presents in general when you were reading them that you were like I can do this I want to do this I just loved the total escapism of reading them that that knowing that there was a happy ever after no matter what hell they were going through they were (laughs) going to get their happy ever after at the end of it and it's just the security of knowing that and and that's what I wanted to find as I wrote as well so that when you get to the end you know it's going to be the happy ever after too Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, no, there's just something about them that just, I mean, and they're not easy. You know that. As a writer, you know they're not easy to write. They're not, you know, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it kind of an idea, but you just want to be able to tell that story at the end of the day. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, when I began reading Presents, like, I remember my first one, it was an Abby Green, and I was, like, messaging Sarah, I was on cloud nine, like, that fairy tale aspect really swept mm-hmm. me away, and mm-hmm. Sarah was like, these are the fairy tale, these are the fantasy, like, this is the romance fantasy, that's what you get with Presents, and yeah, yeah I can just imagine how hard that can be, but once you all are done with the book, and it is on the shelves, like, it's... It is complete magic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love that it exists, you know, like, 
I know sometimes the word escape isn't like the best word to use, but you know, as a mom of three kids and an online college student and, you know, living married life and, you know, it's sometimes that is exactly what I need. <laughs> so, exactly. Definitely. <laughs> and, you know, let's face it, haven't we all needed that in the last 18 months as well? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, is there a book in your backlist that included a lot of research to write? Um, no, I haven't got anything that needed a lot of mm -hmm. research to write but I would do things like um, go on YouTube and look at settings if I was say if I was writing somewhere that was set beside um, Lake Garda or something and I hadn't been there because mm -hmm. I haven't been to everywhere I've written about um, I would sadly yeah I would do that although I did book a charity walk into the Sahara Desert just so I could get the feeling what it's like to go in the desert really <laughs> yes Oh I, I walked 100k across the Sahara Desert in the name of research. Okay, tell us about the walk. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think it was 2018. I, um, a friend and I, we'd just gone on a plane. We went to Morocco and we joined up with a whole load of other like-minded people mm -hmm. who were raising money for charity. And I was doing the British Heart Foundation at the time. And our task was mm -hmm. to live in the desert for five nights and walk across it. And um, yeah, so that was it. So we were sleeping on little tiny pieces of foam under this canvas. I experienced everything from a desert storm to raging sunshine to a river appearing that hadn't been there that morning. It, it was quite life changing, just the whole experience of being there and seeing how, how these people live amongst mm -hmm. all this desert and everything. And the fact that people are living there, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that is was my. <laughs> it was. I don't know. I. I guess I thought. Oh, let's go because um, I might be able to use it in a book one day. So. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that if you write a desert romance, you will know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Wow. Is that there is a book in your backlist with a character or scene that still comes across your mind? Yes, it's one of the one in the Zissioni series. Um, and it's one near that was outbidding Bianca for a diamond bracelet in To Blackmail a Zissioni. Mm -hmm. Something about that whole um, scene in the auction room where he's outbidding her all the time to get this bracelet. And I just, I just keep revisiting it it's as if I've stopped reading a book somewhere and I want to go and find out what's happening even though I know what's happened so mm -hmm. it's definitely stayed with me that one which book in your backlist took you the longest to write that would be my second book I definitely had second book syndrome there so okay. <laughs> claimed by the shake definitely I was I was writing it before I got the call and I never really expected it to be part of a contract mm -hmm. um, it was that moment after the competition had ended and you've got that sort of Oh, lull because all the excitement's over but you don't know what's coming next mm -hmm. um so when I did get the call and then suddenly this book had to be my next book I really struggled with imposter syndrome so <laughs> but my editor was really supportive so we got there in the end oh good it, did that one come out at a I mean because looking back on like different backlists and fiction database shakes were really popular and presents once upon a time so when yes. that one came out was that still kind of the boom of that it like, was the still the boom yeah I've done a, a few shake titles and they were still the boom so definitely yeah but, um, they're not they they're do not have a, so no. a popularity to them yeah they do yes I think it's that ultimate to use that word again escape isn't it so absolutely 
And in 2015, I think, so that one came out in 2015, correct? Mm -hmm. You had like three titles come out that year. Yes, yes. So we go from 2014, our first book, to the following year, you put three books out. That's incredible. It it is a bit, but again, I I guess it's because the one I was writing before I even got the call. So Mm -hmm. I had, I was, I was one up, if if you see what I mean. So I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you have anything right. else? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round out questions. What is one book you wish you could read again for the first time? Um, I think that would be Shirley Conran's Lace. I read that when I was younger and mm-hmm. and I thought, yep, okay, I like this. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind revisiting that again now that I'm older, see what I feel about it now. So yeah. yeah. But, you know, that might be a double-edged sword because you might go back and be kind of disappointed and then you yes. lose that great memory. That's that's one yeah. of the problems, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yes, yeah. Um, tell us about one of your under-the-bed stories, something you've written that will never see the light of day. So the first one, <laughs> the first book I ever wrote, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and um, and then a book that I wrote in 2019 um, I was having a bit of a difficult time because mum had just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I was trying mm. to meet deadlines and curveballs are coming at me all the way mm. um, so yeah so that one was like um, a no-go so that's staying in the drawer as well <laughs> yeah. so the one that you wrote the first one that was rejected have you ever had the inkling to go back and rewrite it? Like now knowing what you know now kind of an idea? Or does um, it, is that story just going to stay where it is? No, um, that that one's never going to be rewritten. Definitely not. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I have revisited one of my other okay. um, books that I've completed. Um, and it was called The Shake's Last Mistress. So mm-hmm. I... I liked the characters and I liked the story on that. So I got it out and practically rewrote it. Okay. Yeah. So I did revisit that one. But everything else, and I think I've got 10 complete manuscripts in my time of trying to write before I got published, (laughs) staying under the bed. Staying where they are. (laughs) Staying under the bed. Yep. Yep. (laughs) What's a romance novel you've read within the past few years that reminded you of why you love the genre? Um, so I picked up Lucy Monroe's After the Billionaire's Wedding Vows earlier mm. this year, and I thought, wow, just wow. Yeah. So, yeah. We She's are so huge cool. Lucy fans here on yeah, the Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Who was your teenage celebrity crush? Right. Um, so my teenage celebrity crush was Richard Gere after seeing him in An Officer and a Gentleman. Oh, I mean, yes. a man in uniform whisking a heroin away. What's not to like? <laughs> right. <laughs> Name one film you will never stop watching. Pretty Woman, definitely. All oh, the way. Good choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is such a good movie. What is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? Everyone deserves love. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What is one of your favorite romance tropes to read? Marriage of convenience. <laughs> I just love marriage of <laughs> convenience. <laughs> Ebook, audiobook, physical copy. What's your preferred reading method? I will do any of the any of these depending on where awesome. I am, but there mm-hmm. is something special about a physical book. I agree. Yeah. Tough love. What's one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received? That a story that you've written and poured your blood, sweat and tears into needs to be put aside. That's <laughs> tough. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's true sometimes because somebody else does know better. So yeah. But it's still hard. It's hard. Yeah. It hurts. But yeah. 
You have to have a thick skin, I think, you if you want to write. do, yes, you do. Now and then, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself at the beginning of your writing career? Never to doubt myself and believe in the writer within, no matter mm-hmm. what. Because aren't there days when you think, are they in there somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> They're sleeping. <laughs> You, you talked about how Liz Fielding gifted you all Kate Walker's 12 point guide to romance. What did you take away from that book? Yeah, absolutely everything. I think I devoured <laughs> it. There's, there's so much in there. And, and when you have one of those moments where you think, I don't know what I'm doing with conflict or how is this working? And, and you know, you can actually dip into the book and hopefully pull something out. So, yeah, it's it's well worth having on your desk. Can you share with us what's coming up next from you? Now I've got um, out From Enemies to I Do. This is my um, 19th written book and my third indie published title. It's uh, Enemies to Lovers. Thank you. It's an Enemies to Lovers Marriage of Convenience story set in Milan at Christmas time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also currently writing the first in a series of books, not category, more small town America set in Wales, Um, a series of books about family, friendship and romance. But I do have some more categories in the pipeline as I have a duet I'm in the planning stages of um, with an inheritance and marriage of convenience and one night with consequences. Oh, we are excited. (laughs) Like the small town romance set in Wells. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Because that excites us. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's about um, a friendship group. And um, one of the friendship group moved away from Wales to London after her father died and is now inheriting a little cottage and Mm -hmm. is forced to come back and confront her past and her first love. Mm. And... um, but the friendship group is dispersed and spread across um, the globe, even mm-hmm. somebody in New York. So she wants to get the friendship group back together. It's got a working title at the moment of Starlight and Second Chances. Mm-hmm. And it's part of what I'm calling the Dolphin Bay series. Oh um, because um, I'm basing it on my local seaside town, which is in Cardigan Bay, where we have a pod of bottlenose dolphins. So, Sarah, can you I imagine know, right? the cover for this? I'm imagining the cover for this already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I'm currently writing. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a uh, Tilly Tennant, Philippa Ashley vibes with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we love the covers over there. So like, just I just about it, I'm like, I'm sold. I know the cover is going to be beautiful. I'm already wanting the story. Yes, you know? please. <laughs> oh, that's going to be delightful. And lastly, where can everyone follow you online? Um, so I have my own Facebook page, Rachel Thomas Romance Writer. I'm also on Facebook as Rachel Thomas. Um, on Twitter as Rachel D. Thomas um, and Instagram is my favourite where you can see all my photos of my walks and everything <laughs> stand by for some Heaver Castle photos as well please tag us, tag us in them please yes <laughs> and if you want to check out what's coming next with me there's my website or you can follow me on Amazon awesome well thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us and letting us start our Sunday with you this mm-hmm. has been such an honor. Thank you for letting us pick your brain and talk books <laughs> and castles in Tuscany and oh my <laughs> gosh, yeah. It's been great. Thank you.
Thank you. So listeners, make sure you check down in the show notes. We will have links to all the places where you can follow and keep up with Rachel Thomas, as well as where you can find her books. Make Mm -hmm. sure that you keep up with her and keep an eye out for what's to come next. And Sarah and I will chat with you guys in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.